the Gemara in the beginning of Zion Amid Aleph, I, I realized I forgot to add one line. The last thing the Gemara said is that a person should um, not have too much uh, intensity and fear in his house, because that's what led to the Pilegish Begiva. And then the Gemara said that Arab Shabbos, you have to say three things, right? You have to ask them if they were Asartem, Iravtem, and, right, did you separate Meiser? Did you make the Erev? And did you light candles? And the Gemara says, you should say it benachas, keichi delishman, that you shouldn't say it too aggressively because if people are afraid, they're going to lie. The last thing I forgot, I forgot to end off the Gemara. The Gemara ends off at the top of Zayin Medalev. Um, Ravashi, Ravashi says, I never heard this teaching, but I just did it naturally. Meaning, I never heard that you had to say it nicely, but it was a rational uh, thought that I was able to mekayim at misvara. Okay, he, he just did it instinctively. Okay. Um, Ravavo. Ravo continues. This Ahmed, by the way, just a breakup of the daf. This Ahmed is Agadita, and the second Ahmed is back to Gittin. Um, Ravavo. A person should not put too much fear in his house. But a great man once was too uh, aggressive in his house. And it led to eating non-kosher. Now, let's, who is the person? And what, what, what was the... In the Gemara or most of the Rishayinim, I think I saw the Me'iri, no one really explains what the story is. But some Adam Gadol was a little aggressive in his house. He was a little too too much yira, too much pachad, and it led to him eating not kosher. Now, what's the story? So the Gemara says, "Wait a minute. Uh, who is the person?" Rav Chanina ben Gamliel. No, no. What the story? What specifically was the story? Rav Chanina ben Gamliel. Now the question is like this: Hachilu salgadaitach. Wait, wait. You're telling me that Rav Chanina ben Gamliel actually ate non-kosher? We have a tradition. Hashda behemdim shel tzadikim in Ekedush Baruch Hu. Maybe tikala yodam tzadikah nashman lekol shekim. There's a rule from the Gemara that if the behema of a tzadik doesn't eat not kosher. A tzaddik kalvachaymer. I mean, the Shparuch will protect even a behema. This is talking talking about the the the, the donkey of Pinchas ben Yar that it refused to it refused to eat grain that wasn't separate shumas and Isis properly. So if you have even a behema of a tzaddik, Hashem protects that he'll only eat kosher. Kalvachaymer, a tzaddik himself, Hakadosh Baruch Hu would not bring a takala al yadam. Hakadosh Baruch Hu would not cause a tzaddik to eat non kosher. He wouldn't bring a tzaddik to do such a thing. Now, by the way, this is so not for now because I know I, 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 I'm going to mention it, and then I don't want to talk. We'll talk. It's too much. But there was a big shaila. Uh, I don't know, the 10, uh, 10, 12 years ago, maybe a little more, about the bugs in the water, the copepods in the New York uh, water. So the kids are meiser. David Feinstein felt it was a problem. Rabelsky felt it was fine. Now, Rebelski had, uh, someone talked to me recently about it, Rebelski had about seven anofim. I have the tshuva in my house. It's a very, very fascinating tshuva. What he goes through, he talks about the bugs are too small and the bugs are not the type of bugs. It could be a problem, whatever it is. It's not for now. But one of his arguments, it's not an argument, but he starts off his discussion by saying, he quotes this Gemara, that a Kiddush Baruch Hu would not cause a tzaddik to eat something not kosher. And he says, you're telling me that Ramosha Feinstein drank eight bugs consistently he says it's it's not possible it's not possible such a thing and he says i'm not saying that that's why it's mutter but he said that's that's like my 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 first thought going into this before i even open up the gemaras i, I have a hard time believing that the Baruch would cause these sadiqim that lived in sachas or moshe you had the babacher you had the samarab and you had rav schwab you have all these big adalim that lived in in new york that they're going to eat, that they're going to eat, uh, it says, the Gemara says, the Shparuch who protects Sadiqim, that they're not Mechshel. So what's the Pshat? 
Okay, so then he analyzes and he finds legitimate uh, sources in Torah to be lenient. But my point is that was that was how he starts off the very very long shuva. Is he mentions this gemara? It's an interesting thing. Anyway, so the gemara says so. Back to the story. How could Rav Chanina and Gamliel actually eat non kosher? Hakadosh Baruch Hu protects Adikim. It means. There was a nisayon that he almost ate non-kosher. I mean, they tried to give him non-kosher, he refused. He sn- smelled it out spiritually. He, he, he talked, he asked questions, and he was able to find out that it was actually non-kosher. What was the non-kosher? My new Eva Menachai. It was Eva Menachai. So what was the story? So I saw, I think it's on the Meiri, that he says the story was, they shechted his, uh, he had a servant, whatever, shechted an animal, cut it up, right? And he lost a leg. You know, whatever. In the confusion, he lost a leg. He was scared of Chanin Ben-Gamliel. So he couldn't just say, I lost a leg. So what he did is he went over to a living animal, cut off a leg and put it in so that he wouldn't get in trouble. And Chanin Ben-Gamliel figured it out. Whatever he asked questions, he figured it out. But there was a potential of him eating non-kosher and it had to do with too much fear in the house. Okay, fine. Let's go back to the Gemara. The Gemara says, Shalach le'maruk mahu. So I think this whole story... Um, this whole story is just because we mentioned yesterday that according to Rav Yitzchak, if you write three words from a pasuk together, you have to do sirtut. You have to you have to make an underline. Sirtut is Allah Hamashim Sinai. That you have to make the lines, score the lines under under the words of Torah. So we said yesterday that if you have three words, you have to. Potentially in the Bryce, it said four words. Because of that, we're going to talk about sirtut. We'll mention a story where a Rav quoted a Pasuk and he was misartate the paper. What's the story? There are people oppressing me. There were people harassing him and, 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 and get, get calling the government on him and, and harassing him in different ways. So he says, I can give him over to the government. I can, I can stop the harassment. So what should I do? Mahu. What's the law? So, Sirtut Vikasavlo. Rav Lazar was Masartit. That's the whole point of the story. He made a line and he wrote the following Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Amarti Eshmer Darki Mechatai. I'll guard my ways from sinning. Beloshai Ashmara Lifimachsam. I'll close my mouth. Boyd Rashamanegdi. Even when there's a wicked person against me. Meaning, the Pashup Shad of the Pasuk is that even when there's a wicked person standing against me, I close my mouth. Meaning, don't say anything. Let it, let it, let it go. Be the, be the bigger man. The means the pasuk is that even though there's a wicked person against me, Eshmer Levi Machsim, I close my mouth. So, so don't, don't, don't say anything. Okay. Vaitu in the story. Shalochle Marukva then send another message to Rav Lezer. Come entirely tuva. It's getting, uh, it's getting overwhelming. I, I can't, and maybe it's getting dangerous. I cannot withstand their attacks. It's too much. So then he said, okay, Shalachlei. Then he sent them the following Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Doim la Hashem, wait silently for Hashem, Vishoy Loloi, and Hashem uh, um, and the, uh, the and Hashem will long for your salvation. So what does this Pasuk mean? Doim la Hashem means seek Hashem. It's a Shaila, either it means Doim is a lushan of Edoim, which is red. So you should daven to Hashem at the beginning of sunrise, meaning Vasikin, or Doim means to daven. So either way, he was basically saying, listen, if it's getting unbearable, don't give them over to the government yourself. Daven to Hashem. Hashem will take care of them. Meaning, daven to Hashem that the oppression should stop. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, doim Hashem, daven in the redness. This is the makar that people should daven vasikin. But in addition to daven vasikin, there's a gemar in brachis. You ever wonder why chasidim 
they daven so late. Why is everyone daven so late? You can say because they have to like, daven ma'ariv right afterwards. They didn't daven ma'ariv afterwards. There's an Indian of the Gemara that the same way you daven at the rising of the sun, you daven with the setting of the sun. There's an Indian to daven at the setting of the sun. So dafka at the latest possible time. So if you have a very late shkia, right? If have a, they go with Rabbeinu Tam, then their shkia is super super late. But that's why you don't find by like chasidim um, to daven at like shach uh, mincha, like one o'clock in the afternoon. They, they always daven later, and it's because. The daven at the redness of the sun, the rising and the setting of the sun. So he says, Davin, hu yapil chalalam. And his chaylel is from Alesha Chalalam. Hashem will send carcasses in front of you, meaning he'll he'll destroy everyone. You daven to Hashem and he'll destroy everyone. Hashkeim Vaharavalim, the base medish, go early in the base medish, leave the base medish late, meaning you daven, you learn, hein kalam elem. And then this person will be taken care of on his own. gave him advice. And Geniva, that was the name of the person who was oppressing Marukva, he was arrested. Because Marukva listened to his advice, which is he dab and then he learned, and that itself protected him. Okay. Vaitya in the Gemara. Another story with Marukva regarding Sirtot. They sent to Marukva, Zimra Menolan da Asr. How do I know that you're not allowed to listen to music? This has to do with a little bit of the sugi that we had in the end of Saita. That part of Takanas Chazal, in order to remember the Churban, is they Asr music. Now, this is not music of mitzvah, this is just frivolous music that became Asr, especially when there's alcohol involved. According to some Rishonim, this is when there's alcohol involved. But that type of music is Asr. He said, What's the source? So Sirtot Vikasal, again, he etched a line on the paper and he said the following. Do not rejoice, Klal Yisrael. Don't be like the nations. Meaning that there's a certain yira and pachar and, and sadness that Klal Yisrael has to have in order to make themselves serious. So you don't rejoice like the Goyim. They listen to music in bars, we don't. Now, okay, fine. Good source. Now the Gemara says, Isn't there another source? This is the source that I think we had in Saita. It says, We do not drink wine and have music. So why do you, why do you get, aren't there two sources for this? So the answer is, you're right. You need two sources. One is to tell you not to listen to music with instruments, and one is to tell you that even a cappella is a problem in the bar. Okay, fine. Yeah, the Pashas and the Rishayim, this is in a bar with with Yayin, uh, with alcohol, or even if it's not alcohol, according to some Rishayim, this is one that's not for the sake of a mitzvah, for the sake of a mitzvah is mutter, and this a is a... Wedding might, even it's no, wedding, a wedding is a for sake of a mitzvah. Yeah, but there's but alcohol there. It's true, but the Pashto said it's all for non-mitzvah purposes. If it's for a mitzvah, then it's definitely permitted. That's the assumption. So, again, it's a, it's a big sugi in the Rishayna, but the uh, minig of Klal Yisrael is definitely to be mekel for sure. Now, Amr Lehu Rav Huna Barnos and Ravashi. Now the Pasuk describes regarding Yeshua when it's listing the towns of Eretz Yisrael, it lists the towns. And the Gemara wants to know, is there anything deeper in the meaning of these towns? It says one of the towns is Kina, Dimona, and Adada. So what are the meaning of these towns? So Amar Ravashi responded, There are towns in Israel. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the meaning of the towns? I don't know. What's, what's New Orleans mean? I know what it means. It's the New Orleans. But like, what, what? I don't know. What's Syracuse? Whatever. It is what it is. It's the name of a town. So the Gemara says, Syracuse and Mestama in, uh, in Indian. Mestama is probably Indian or something. I don't know. He says, I know the responded, I know it's towns of Eretz Yisrael. What, the reason why I asked is because Rav Gavia from Argiza, that was the name of a Rav, he wants Darshan, the names of the towns, in the following drasha. And I want to know, do you like it? What's the drasha? Again, it's Kina, Dimona, Adada. 
He darshaned it as following. Kol sheyish lekina, kina is lekina. Anyone who is jealous, yalchaver v'doimim, dimona, means quiet, meaning if someone's jealous about you and, and is giving you a hard time and you're quiet, you don't respond to him, then the last one is adada. What's adada? Shoichin adei ad, oisilaydin. Adei ad means forever. Then the one who dwells forever, Hashem, will protect, will, will, will judge for you and protect you. So that's what kina demona adada. If you have kina against you, but you're demona, you're dumb, you're quiet, ad, then Hashem, who lives forever, will judge for you and protect you. So do you like that, Jerusha? So, Amalei. So, Ravashi gives an objection. It's like a yeshiva objection. Okay, so that's such a, if that's what he darshins for names of cities, then, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of cities in the Torah, so what does he do with the rest of them? Amalei, Elameyata, According to you, then what is the following psukim? There's a psukim in uh, Vaiter in Yeshua. It says, Tziklag umidmana v'sansana. Like, meaning, basically, what are you going to do with all these, uh, with all these, uh, with all these cities? Meaning, you're going to start making drushes, then keep going. Then what does he do with Tziklag, Madmana, and Sansana? So Amr so Rav Huna responded, If Rav Gavia from Argiza was here, he probably would darshan it nicely. So, okay, I mean, again, I mean, he'd be able to. I'm not saying I can do it, I'm just repeating what he said. If he was here, he, someone would give a good drasha. So, Ravacha from Bechaiza, he made the following drasha for the words Tziglag, Madmana, and Sansana. What does it mean? Tziglag is from Tsaka. Tziglag is Tsaka Legima. Anyone who has a complaint about his livelihood, many, let's say you have a business and then someone else built a, a, a competitive business nearby and you have a taina against him. Maybe you can go to courts, maybe not, but you have a tzaka legima, you have a taina against his livelihood. V'doimim, and then the next one is madmana, is doimim, meaning and you're quiet, you don't make a fight, you just have a muna. Then, then it's sansana, it's shoichin besneh, the one who revealed in the sneh, oisalaydin will protect you. So that's what it means. So if you have a taina against someone regarding parnasa, but you're quiet, then the sneh, then Hashem who revealed himself in the sneh will protect you. Okay. Weiter in the Gemara. So we have this at the end of Saita, that one of the Takanis, when Vespasian was, uh, was attacking uh, Yerushalayim, was they asked Hassanim to wear reefs. That was one of the things, as uh, they asked Hassanim to have reefs. So the Gemara says, Amr Rish Lugalusa Ravuna. Vespasian was Titus's father. Who was the Personal it. It's Takanas Chazal, whoever Chazal at the time. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the Ajah Chazal or something. So, Reish Galusa asked Ravuna, Kalilam and Alandazar, what's the source in the Torah that you're not allowed to wear a wreath? Now, obviously, he wasn't sure whether it's rabbinic or biblical. If it's rabbinic, there's no source. But, so, so Amalei, so Ravuna responded, Midir Rabbana, there's no source in the Torah. It's a Takanas Chazal, as we had in the end of Sota, Tetnan, Bepomashela Spesunius, during Vespasian's revolt. They asked the musical instrument Eris, and they asked her the reef, meaning there is no source in the Torah, it's rabbinic. That's what Rav Huna said, remember the names. Rav Huna said that it's rabbinic, fine. Rav Huna then goes to the bathroom. He steps out of the room. While he steps out of the room, Amrle Rav Chizda, Rav Chizda says to the Reish Galusa, I think there's a Pasuk in the Torah. There is a Pasuk in the Torah, Asering, Reefs. What's the Pasuk? Kroksiv. The Pasuk says regarding a connection between Asering the, cra- the reef to the Chorban. What's the Pasuk? It's a Pasuk, Mestam in Yisha, it's in Yicheskel. The Pasuk is, Koyamar Hashem Alekim, so says Hashem. Hosir HaMatznefes, remove the Mitznefes, Vaharim Atara, 
and take off the crown. Zeis loy zeis, this and this, hashvola hagveim vagva hashvelim, lift up the low one and lower the, the exalted one. So you see the Pasuk says, remove the mitznefes and remove the crown. Now, what are the mitznefes and the crown? So he wants to make the following drush. The mitznefes is the tzitz of the kohen gadol. The crown is the wreath of the, of the chasanim. Remove the mitznefes, meaning when the kohen gadol no longer wears the mitznefes, i.e. the churban, then you no longer wear a, a chasan doesn't wear a crown. That's his source in the book. Oh, so he says, What's the connection between the mitznefes of the kohen gadol to the atar of a crown? The Pasuk is telling you, as long as the kohen gadol wears mitznefes, meaning the base mitznefes is still functioning, atar b'rish adam. Everyone is able to wear a crown. The chasanim can wear these wreaths which look like crowns. Once the kain gadol no longer wears, a, wears the mitznefes, wears the tzitz, then no one's allowed to wear a crown anymore. That's the drushes. He says there's a source in the Torah. Okay. Rav Huna, again, Rav Huna said it's Darabon and there's no source. He went to the bathroom. While he's in the bathroom, Rav Chizda is the one who makes this drasha. Rav Huna now comes back. No more sits of the Kayin Gadol, no more crown on the Hassan. Adhachi Yasser Rav Huna. Rav Huna now comes back. Ashkechinu Davi Yasser. He hears what they're talking about. Amar Le Rav Huna says to Rav Chizda, Halekim Adarabonon. I swear it's Darabonon. Meaning, I, I swear that this is Darabonon. I, you have a Pasuk. El Chizda Shimcha V'Chizdoi Milach. Your name is Chizda, and you have charming words. Meaning, it's very sweet. You're making a very beautiful drasha, but it's not what the pasuk means. The pasuk is not referring to the pasuk is connecting the tzitz of the kain gadol to a crown, not the crown of chasanim of wreaths, but the crown of the king. That the pasuk is uh, is prophesizing that when uh, of the prophet the the pasuk is is giving a nevuah. Of uh, of the uh, of Tzidkiah the king that he's going to be sent into Galus, meaning that Tzitz is going to be removed and the crown of the king will be removed. It's not referring to Hasanim at all. He says your you, your name is Chizdus. You have a charming, you have a charming drush. It's very nice. And maybe I don't think it means a dig, but it's like it's very especially very nice for a Rish Galusa who wasn't so learned. But that's not what the pasuk is referring to. It's completely derabbanan and there's no source in the Torah. Okay, fine. Now the Gemara continues. Ravina Ravina found Ravashi that he was making a wreath for his daughter. Order, a cow. So Amar I thought we just had a pasuk that said that it's a problem. So Amar The prohibition was only meant for the men. Connection to the pasuk that when the tzitz doesn't wear on the kain gadol, the men don't wear crowns. There is no pasuk asering crowns by a kala. So the kala it's still permitted. Okay. Now the pasuk said that when they remove the crown and the tzitz, whatever it is, either the king. During the Churban or the crown of the Chasanim, the Pasuk says, Zeis loy Zeis. This, not this. Lower the high one, raise up the low one. Well, what does Zeis loy Zeis mean? My Zeis loy Zeis. So the Gemara says there was actually a, a conversation between Akadish Baruch and the Malachim. They said the following drasha. When Hashem sent out this nevuah that the tzitz will be removed and the king will lose his crown, 
Amru Malachi Ashar is something I could despair of. The Malachim said to Hashem, Zois lahen, Rabbi Shalom, Zois lahen, Yisrael, Shagidim lahen, Yisrael, Zois, meaning this is what's happening to Klal Yisrael, the Beis Amit is going to be destroyed after they said Nasev and Nishma, Zois. So how does Hashem respond? Hashem says, Loi Zois, Amru Loi Zois lahen, Yisrael, and it's not fitting for them. Sheshbilus Gvara, Yvigvilus Ashafil, Vemidutzal Behechel. They raised up the low one and they lowered the high one, meaning I'm the high one and they lowered me, and they raised up the low one, they did Advaita Zara. So, Basically, Zeus, Zeus was a conversation between Malachim and Hashem. The Malachim said, Zeus, this is what's happening to Klal Yisrael. What's going on? And Hashem said, Zeus, it's not appropriate. They did have a desire. They put a Tzalem HaHechel. They put an idol in the Beis HaMikdash. So it's not appropriate that the Beis HaMikdash should be destroyed. That was the conversation. Now, just to finish up the Agadita until we get to the next Amid, and then it's back to uh, regular Gemara for an Amid. So, Zarev Shrav Avira Zimna Shadar Rami Zimna Ravasi. Maidich Siv, another Joshua from Ravira in the name of Ravami and Ravasi. Maidich Siv, what does it mean? Koyamar Hashem. So says Hashem, Im shleimim rabim that uh, although they're complete and they're wise, they're going to be cut off so that they can pass. Cut off so they can pass. What is this Pasuk referring to? So the Gemara is giving advice. You know what the Pasuk is telling you? If a person finds himself that he doesn't have a lot of money, give tzedakah. It's counterintuitive because you'd think when you don't have a lot of money, you should hold on to whatever you have. But the Pasuk is saying, no, if, you, if it's not complete, cut it off. Meaning, give some more tzedakah, and that will allow you to pass. The Gemara continues, If you see that you only have enough money to like get by, give some tzedakah. If you have a lot of money, you should be giving tzedakah. What does it mean? You cut it off, and then you shall pass. Meaning, by giving tzedakah, you shall pass. What does this mean? Anyone who cuts away from his money and gives tzedakah will be protected. He'll be able to pass by Gehenim. What's the marshal? You have two sheep that are trying to pass through a body of water. Here's the problem. One sheep has too much wool. So what happens? It drowns. But the other sheep that Taka just had a haircut, it's able to pass by. You have too much money, you're going to drown. You cut some money away, you'll be able to... Pass right through all those nesiyinus and go past Gehenim. Achas gezuza, achas ena gezuza, gezuza agrava, ena gezuza, ena grava. Go to the next page. Vini secha, and the pasuk says, though I have afflicted you, you should still cut it off. What does this mean? I'm resich. I feel oni. I'm despised. Min tzedakah, yas tzedakah. Even an oni should give tzedakah, even though he's afflicted, he should still give tzedakah. Loyan chayi, and the pasuk says, if you do that, I won't give you any more affliction. Tani be rav yosef shuvin marin loisi mani anias. It means if an ani gives tzedakah, he won't be an ani anymore. A kedush baruch will give him schar that he'll be protected. Okay, so the Gemara says like this: We said, what is the northern part of Israel regarding Gittin? That if you bring it from that part, you do not have to say The most northern part, and it's debatable that city itself, but the most northern part is Akko. Which means Akko is the northern boundary of Israel. Here's the problem. If you have an art scroll, it'll help because they have slight pictures, but the truth is it's not, it's not very complicated. I think everyone, everyone here has one. But Akko is apparently the most northern part of Israel. Here's the problem. The problem is the Gemara has, there's a Mishnah. The Mishnah says that if you go north of Akko, and you go all the way up to a city called Kiziv. It's all the way up above Akko, Kiziv. It's a beach town. So if you go up to Kiziv, the Gemara says Kiziv is the border of Israel, meaning to the right of Kiziv is the Jordan. That's already outside of Israel. To the left, towards the west, towards the Mediterranean, is Israel. And Kiziv is the, is the border. Now here's the deal. If you're telling me Akko is over here, yeah? Akko is the most northern 
but then you go up, there's Kaziv, and Kaziv is still Israel, that means that Akko is not the most northern part. Kaziv is the most northern part. So is Akko the most northern town of Eretz Yisrael, or is it Kaziv? That's the Gemara's Kasha. The Gemara says, that means that you're telling me that Akko is the most northern part of Israel or Mini. I have a contradiction. If you're going northern from Akko all the way up to Kaziv, so what is the status regarding that area? So, from the right of Kaziv onward, it's considered Chutz Laaretz, and the land outside of Kaziv, to the right of Kaziv, to the east of Kaziv, is considered Tameh, like all land outside of Israel is rabbinically Tameh. And the land to the east of Kaziv is considered Chutz Laaretz, so it's Pata from Meiser, it's Pata from Shemitah. Unless you know there's a specific strip, because think about it. We like to think of things as like roads, like binary, like straight. The borders don't work exactly like that, right? If I tell you, you know, uh, the, the east of this area is Israel, that, that it could go a little bit like that. It could be like a little foot here, a little foot there. But the point is, to the right of Kaziv is outside of Israel, unless you have a tradition, oh, that that tree stump is Israel. Okay, fine. But if you just want a hard and fast rule, the right of Kaziv is Chutz Laaretz, and but the left, left of Kaziv, is not Tameh because it's Israel. Uh, and uh, unless you know otherwise, you could assume that to the west of Kaziv is Israel. Ad Kaziv until Kaziv. Now, and some say, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yisiyam, he says it's not until Kaziv, it's until Lav Lava. Okay, but what do you have over here? You have like this. We just said that Akko is the most northern town. But we also just got finished saying that if you go north to Kaziv, Kaziv is still Israel. So I don't understand. Is Kaziv the most northern town or Akko? So the Gemara says, Am Rabbi Rutsu and Nafka. You know what it means? All right, the Arts I think has a picture. Akko, if you had to make a, a cross Israel, like a border across Israel, Akko is the most northern town. I, Kaziv is still Israel. Kaziv is a strip, meaning. It goes like, I think Arts has a bit, it goes, Akko is the, is the basically the top of Israel. It's just from Akko Kaziv, there's a small strip of land. But it's, so we thought at first that Akko, that Akko was the most northern. We said, wait, Kaziv is the most northern. We thought like Kaziv, like that, like Kaziv is the border town. The answer is no, no, no. Akko is the top of Israel. There's a little strip that goes up from Akko to Kaziv. But I understand this. So yes, Akko is not technically the most northern. There's a little strip. But... From uh, a boundary perspective, if you had to make like a line across the sand, Akko is the most northern part. Kaziv is not a, across the park. It's a little strip. But, but, but for, for, um, from a, a percentage perspective, Akko is the most northern. Area. There's a little strip that goes up. Okay, fine. But, but, but across the board, Akko is going to be the most northern area. So that means that this entire Mishnah, when it's describing the boundaries of Kaziv, it's a little strip. Little little strip. The Gemara says, Will the Tana give such description for a little strip of land? Meaning, Akko is really the top of Israel. But if there's a little strip that goes up just to Kaziv, and that's it, I, th- that's it. The Tana is going to go through so much like Arichus to describe a little strip of land. The answer is, Yeah, in Krenami Simna. There's a Pusik that describes a strip of land. The Pasuk describes, like it says, it says as follows. There's this Pasuk, there's a Pasuk in Shoftim. They said there's a festival going on in Shiloh. Every year. 
Asher Mitzvona Lebeis El Mizracha, Shiloh, which is north of Beis El, east of the road that goes from Beis El to Shechem, and Menegav Lvoina and South Lvoina. Meaning, basically, they're giving a border time. The Pasuk is describing the borders, and it describes how Shiloh is north of Beis El and east of a small strip of a road that goes up. So it describes a road to Shechem. So if the Pasuk is willing to describe just a mere road to Shechem in the borders where it's describing Shiloh, so the Tana can also describe a strip of land from Kaziv. That's fine. That's, that's, that's not bothering. From Rav Papa says that Shiloh was to the east of the road between Basel and Shechem. Okay, the point is, you have Basel and then Shiloh and then Lavona, and there's a little strip of road that goes up. If the Pasuk is willing to take the time to mention a strip of land, then, then the Mishnah can also describe uh, Kaziv as being a mere strip above. Okay, fine. Now, very easy, very interesting Gemara from here to the end. Back to like regular Gemara, you have to use your head a little bit. Not very complicated. The Gemara says like this. Here's the Shaila. It's actually a very lumdish Shaila. If you bring a get within Eretz Yisrael, you don't have to say, If you bring it from outside of Israel, you do. What if the get was written on a boat? Meaning, it was written on uh, the Kinneret. Okay? It was written on the Kinneret. The question is, is the water of Israel had the status of Israel? And it was written within Israel, so it does not require Or was the water of Israel, or is the water of Israel considered not the status of Eretz Yisrael? Sorry, it's not considered the status of Eretz Yisrael, and uh, and therefore it doesn't have the status of Eretz Yisrael. You have to say That's the question: is what is the status of a boat on on, on Eretz Yisrael waters? Tanan one Brisa says If you bring a get on a boat in Israel, It's like bringing Eretz Yisrael. Meaning, boats in Israel are like Israel. But another Brisa says that if you bring a get in Eretz Yisrael, on a boat in Eretz Yisrael, it's like Chutzlart. So one considers the boats uh, like Eretz Yisrael, and one considers the boats like Chutzlart. Boat in Eretz Yisrael means on the lake. On the lake, yeah, on the Kinaret. You wrote a get on the Kinaret. So it's a, no, the Mediterranean is already Chutzlart. But the point is, wherever the borders are, you have a small boat, a boat on a water, is the water considered like the ground? Or no, it's considered a you know maritime law, it's a different law. So it's a machloikas, Two brises. So the Gemara says, Amrav Yirmiya like Kasha, Harav Yehuda Harabonon. It's a machlekes of Yehuda Harabonon. How so? Ditanan. I'll tell you another nafkamina. Forget about Gittin. What if I take soil, yeah, and I plant it, and I and I go on a boat. I live on a houseboat. I take soil. I make. Uh, I plant uh, cucumbers, whatever. It grows on the boat. Is it chayiv and shubas and It's the same shaila, right? Is the boat considered Eretz Yisrael? If it's Eretz Yisrael, it's Chayiv. If the boat is Chutz Laaretz, doesn't have the status of Eretz Yisrael, then it's Potter. So it's a Machlech Tanoim. Ditnan, the Mishnah says, this is a Mishnah Chala, offer Chutz Laaretz Habab You take soil, even from Chutz Laaretz soil. You plant on a boat, and you grow something on a boat. Chayiv b'maiser b'shviz. The Tanakama says it's Chayiv, meaning the Tanakama holds that the boat of Israel is like Eretz Yisrael. Anything that grows on the boat is like growing on the land, and it's chayiv. So according to the Tanakama, if you'd have a get that was written on a boat in Eretz Yisrael, you would not have to say b'fani nechta b'fani nechta, because the Tanakama equates that the boats of Eretz Yisrael are like Eretz Yisrael. Um, Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda says, no, 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 no. Amos, I, when do I agree with you that the boat is considered like the ground? Bizman shasvina goshesh. Only when the boat is uh, touching, uh, with, like not docked, 
where it's like in the soil, what do you call it? It's like a, it hit the ground and it's stuck. Goshashas. If the if the boat is mamish entrenched in the soil, fine. But But if the boat is just on the water, no, it's considered chutzlarts. So you have a machlaikis of Yehud and the Rabbanon. If a boat is considered on the water, is it considered Eritisral and anything that grows on the boat is Chayib and Shubas and Maizus? Or is it considered chutzlarts and it's potter? That machlaikis would be Negeya for the laws of Gittin. Yeah? Oh, one second. I gotta unmute you. One second. Gavin, unmute. When we're talking about bother, we didn't bother with this because it's a svara. Yeah, so it's interesting because it, it, you could have argued that this entire thing is not negeya. You could say it's just a matter of is there traveling and is it is it lishma. I guess the answer is when Chazal make a takana, they obviously intend to have it that all of Israel is the same. The question is, is the wa- waters of Eretz Yisrael have the status of Eretz Yisrael for other halachas? And the assumption is, if it does, Chazal would treat it the same way as this. That's, a, that's obviously the Gemara's assumption. So the point is, so you have a machloikas, so according to Rav Yehuda, or, or, according to the Rabbonon, anything that grows on a boat is considered growing in Eretz Yisrael, Chayv, Shumas, and Maizus. So it's Eretz Yisrael. So you would not have to say, according to, Rabbi, according to the Rabbonon, or according to Rabbi Yehuda, it depends. When the boat isn't touching the ground in the riverbed, then it's considered the land. But if it's floating, like most boats, it's considered Chutz La'aretz. So the Gemara says, so the answer of, you have two steers. You have one price that says, if you bring a, a get in a boat, you don't have to say Bifani Nechtam, one price says you do. It's a machlaikis of Yudin the Rabbanon. The Gemara gives another answer. Abai Amar Havahar Rav Yehuda. He really, it can actually be both Rav Yehuda. Like Kasha, Kam Bizman Sheena Svina Gosheshes, Kam Bizman Svina Gosheshes. And it could be, it's just a matter of was the boat in the riverbed when you wrote the get? Meaning, what's Rav Yehuda's take? The Rabbanon is very simple. All boats of Eretz Yisrael is considered like the land of Eretz Yisrael. They, he, the, the Rabbanon don't look at the water as being a separation. They look at the water as if it's the ground. So the boat, it's Kilu, you're sitting in Yerushalayim. Fine. What does Rabbi Yehudas take? It depends. If the boat is in the riverbed, it's considered in Eretz Yisrael. If it's on the water, it's not. So that could also be the answer of the two Bryces. One Bryce says if you bring a boat, if you bring a get on a boat, you have to say before Nechtam. One Bryce says you do not. The answer could be very simple. If the boat is in the riverbed, then it's considered Eretz Yisrael. You don't have to say it. If it's not on the riverbed, it's Chutz Laaretz, and you do have to say it. So that could be the Machlaikis, that it could be wor- working both according to Rav Yehuda, and it's just Kan B'Svina Gosheshes, Kan B'Ein Svina Gosheshes. Okay. Now, the Gemara says like this. We'll end with this discussion. You have a Machlaikis, according to the Rabbanon and Rav Yehuda, whether a boat is considered Chutz Laaretz or Eretz Yisrael. In other words... The Rabbanon look at it is that you're in a boat above the land of Israel. So there's land and there's 15 feet of water. The Rabbanon look at it is we don't care about the water. Look as if the water is gone and you're in Israel. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, the water is mafsik. You're not in Israel. So you know it's a nafkamina. What if I have, forget about a boat. What if I have a pot that's perforated, right? So it perforated means that as a whole. So it, it nurtures from the ground. And it's on 10-foot poles, and it's suspended over the ground. Is that considered growing in Eretz Yisrael and it's chayiv or not? So it's the same achloikas. If you hold that the water is considered a hefsik, the water separates, then the air also separates. If the water doesn't separate, the air doesn't separate. So the Gemara says, If you have a perforated plant, you say this, that's resting on top of pegs, and it's suspended over the ground, is it chayiv and shumas and maestris? 
It's the same Achleikas. According to the Rabbanon, that a boat is considered on Eretz Yisrael and the water is not mafsik, so to the air is not mafsik and the considered as if it's growing in the land and you be chayiv and shumas and And according to Rav Yehuda, that the water is mafsik, so to the air is mafsik. So the, it's not considered growing in Eretz Yisrael, it's considered like growing in Chutz Laaretz. And therefore it's not chayiv and shumas and deraisa. That seems to be the Machleikas. And the Gemara rejects it and with this. The Gemara says, no, I'm a rabba. So we're equating right now, we're saying, Machleikas by water, so too the Machleikas would be by air. The Gemara says water and air are not equatable. How so? Could be better, it could be worse. Amirava Dilmalohi. Perhaps it's not equatable. Why? Ad Khan like Amrav Yida Hasam Elabisvina Hasui Livroyach. Aval First of all, I could argue that the Rav Yehuda would be would uh, would agree with the with the suspended peg thing that it'll be chayiv. Why? What's Rav Yehuda Shita? Rav Yehuda Shita is that on a boat it's not considered on the land. So you wanted to say because the water is a separation, so to the air will be a separation. The difference is very simple. Boats are meant to move. They're they're not meant to be stable. Therefore, you could argue it's not like you're on the land because it's floating, it's moving, it's constant movement. But over here, when you have pegs and you have a pot that's stationed above, I can see Rabbi Huda saying that that's considered the land. I why why is water a hefsek? It's not just, it's not the hefsek. It's that water is meant to move and boats are meant to be in motion. So it's not considered on the land. But over here it's not moving. It's a potted plant. It's not meant to move. So it's considered as if it's growing on the land. Inami or can argue the opposite. You could opposite the, you could argue the opposite also. Even the rabbanon who feel that the boat is considered like it's on the land. Why? Because it's touching the water, which is touching the ground. There is nothing separating it from the land. Why? Because you have the land, and you have the water. Water is perceived as part of the land, and the boat is touching the water, which is touching the land. So you can look at it as if it's growing on the land, because you have the water, which is touching the ground. The water is like a thick piece of the ground. But over here, where it's suspended over the air, it could be that's the Kuliyama Hefzik. So it could be, so we, again, just to review one with this, you have a machlaikis, whether if something grows on a boat, is considered growing in Israel or not. So we thought it has to do with whether water is a mafsik. So too, if it's suspended over the air, it will be the same machlaikis. And where it says, no, it could be better, it could be worse. Water, um, water is, a, a, it's meant to move. So the boat is meant to move. So you could argue that that's why. But over here, where it's not moving, it's considered growing over the ground. Or the opposite. Over there, at least the boat is touching the water, which is touching the ground. So it's connected. But over here, with this mamish and area of the hefsek, maybe it's worse. So because it's, it could be better, it could be worse, it's unrelated. I will stop here. Can I share this until 8.30? 8.30. This last week, we'll be able to do it at 8.30.